The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, our Tuesday edition. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, hanging out once again with my guy, my deputy editor, John Dixon. John, now we're almost at the end of training camp. How fast did that go? It went really fast. It's uh, it, it, Things go fast when you're busy, and we've certainly been busy while uh, while this has been going on daily press briefings, etc. A little more than we're accustomed to uh, during a typical training camp. Classic, because the days are long, but you blink and it's August 25th. We're going to blink again and it'll be Christmas. John, I don't want socks. Just, just going to get that out there ahead of time. <laughs> On today's Tuesday episode, we are going to go over 10 updated things I think about training camp now that we are at another player's day off. But before we get into that, John, you have the latest on the Chiefs injury front. Yeah, we had some good news yesterday. We had Tyreek Hill and Damian Wilson back on the field, although in both cases they were working with trainers on the sidelines with stretching and conditioning and were out of the team drills. But at the same time, uh, Eric Fisher came back onto the field and participated in team drills where he had been on the sidelines uh, getting through his concussion protocol. So he's back. Uh, We had the weird story about Mike Pinnell. Uh, The Chiefs said he was back at practice on Monday, but uh, a lot of us weren't even aware that he had been out of practice on Sunday, which is an indication of how weird things are during the pandemic. Is he suspended? Um, is he not suspended? Is he right. injured? Is he not injured? We don't right. know anything about him. Right. And apparently what happened is he did leave the practice on Sunday, but the Chiefs didn't mention an injury for him. So nobody knew he had left the practice or had been injured. And then so it was news when he came back. And we just didn't understand exactly what had happened. These things are going to happen when we have limited reporters at camp. And, um, uh, and things are, everything is, is just working at a kind of about half normal. Meanwhile, um, Yasser Durant, the rookie offensive lineman, left the fit, practiced on uh, Monday. They Chiefs say he's being evaluated for hand injury. Garrick Dieter and Emmanuel Smith, the wide receiver and the linebacker, also left practice on Monday. Uh, Dieter has a groin injury. Uh, Smith has a hamstring injuries. Um, we had other players that were held out for the first time in camp. Uh, Kalachi Osemele, uh, defensive tackle Braxton Hoyt, 
Safety Armani Watts, who was ill, apparently, and wide receiver Maurice French had a knee injury and missed practices. Uh, Derek Noddy was held out yesterday, resting his ankle. He had that ankle uh, surgery in the offseason, missed a few practices at the beginning. He's been back for a few days. They held him out on Monday to rest his ankle. Meanwhile, Alex Okafor still out. Mike Dana still out. Dion Yelder has yet to practice since the full practices began. He's been nursing a groin injury. Groin injury, And then uh, Martinez Rankin, still on the PUP list, also didn't practice on Monday. The one that sticks out there to me is the Osimile. I believe it was mm-hmm. a shoulder, right? And this mm-hmm. is someone who has had off-season surgery. He had that whole deal with the Jets where he tore his labrum, and there was a disagreement there as to whether or not he needed surgery. Eventually, he got the surgery. I think the Chiefs see him as a potential starter. So I think Osemele, the free agent signee, he is worth watching, especially not to say that these other guys just don't matter. But to right. me, when you're talking about the start of the season, that is a new injury to watch. All right. Yeah, I, I oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Though. Yeah, yes. I would say this though that this might be uh, because they knew they were going to have a player's day day off today, and if they held right. him out for one day and he, he'd been having trouble with his shoulder, that'd give him a, a two days to rest before he came back. So I'm not sure it really means anything, but you're right; it is worth watching. All right, here we go. Let's get into the ten updated things I think for training camp. I have one COVID. Four offense, four defense, and then a bonus thing, I think. This is, <laughs> I mean, I know you're excited about the bonus one, oh, yeah. but Double it's going to be a long yeah. time, so you yeah. have to listen yeah. to the whole podcast. I'm not even going to put the time in the timestamp. I'm not going to tell you when it is. You're going to have to oh, listen boy. for it. All right, let's get into the COVID point first. So far, so good, right, John? You have some numbers here. And I think that's a good thing for the NFL. This is training camp. This is the training ground. I think the test for what is going to be the regular season, the fact there are so few tests is a good thing here. Right. We had some numbers that came out today that uh, came from uh, Dr. Alan Sills, who is the NFL's chief medical officer, who even knew the NFL had a chief medical officer before 2020. But on Monday, he gave some numbers from August 12th, which was right before Uh, The full padded practices began for NFL teams through last Thursday that they had administered uh, 58,000 COVID-19 tests to uh, the league's players, coaches, and other personnel, 23,000 of them to players, and zero players tested positive during that period that ended last Thursday. Now, of course, we had this false positive scare a couple of days ago, and it turned out that None of those players had actually been infected. And of the uh, 35,000 tests to other personnel, only six positive cases. And this is the crux of what the NFL has done, in my view, that's been successful. Is first that they've realized that the other personnel that are involved with the teams are a big, big factor. Note the difference in the numbers of tests. Uh, 23,000 players, 35,000 to other personnel. This tier system, which keeps players and other people in the team organization separated, uh, is actually working extremely well. Um, You know, yeah, they had six positive cases. That's very few among 35,000 tests. But those people aren't interacting with the players. And that's part of why this is so far 
working very well. Now, we'll see what happens when they get out on the field and start grappling with each other. But for the moment, the news is very good. I like that. I think everyone is excited for football fans or otherwise. I know that Arrowhead Stadium will be having 22%. There's been some issues as they're doing tests over the weekend with 2,000 fans there in masks. I know that The Athletic and the Kansas City Star wrote about that. Andy Reid's optimistic that they will be ready to go and they are all working through this and trying to figure out the best way to do it. And I feel actually confident that they'll figure out the right way to do it by the time that September 10th rolls around. I don't think there's any perfect way to look at this. There's a lot of factors that go into it. We're not experts on this, John, but I think we all are are agreeing in the fact that we're wishing uh, the best here. Now for the football. First thing, updated thing, I should say, I think about training camp. I got some points on the wide receiver six battle because that's I think what we're talking about here, because we know about Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. We know about McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, and Byron Pringle. It's who's going to win that wide receiver six battle. If we're going based upon quotes, which is all I got right now, reports and whatnot, everything that's coming out of Arrowhead Stadium, I think it's Jody Fortson versus Marcus Kemp with Garrick Dieter probably not a factor once again. I think he's on the outside looking in. Maybe he could be one of these protected practice squad guys or simply on the practice squad. But I think Jody Fortson over the past week or so has gained some traction in my eyes. This is a big target. He's six foot six. I also think Marcus Kemp has a chance here with Andy Reid saying he was playing the best football and the Chiefs bringing him back. But I think it's one or the other. You're not going to keep seven receivers Could Byron Pringle fall out of that? We haven't heard a ton from. We haven't heard a ton of updates on Pringle, so I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just a factor. He does play special teams, but for that wide receiver six position, I think it's Fortson versus Kemp, and the fact that Fortson's been here all along, they kept him on the practice squad, and now you're starting to hear guys like Tyron Matthew noticing him. Mm Mm-hmm. To me, I think you're trending for your wide receiver six, that position, to be Jody Fortson. Yeah, and I hate to bring up points like this, but the fact is that they do tend to matter. And that was that the Chiefs put him out in front of the media yesterday. They don't do that with guys that don't have a chance to make the roster. And um, the fact that they put him out there for the media to talk to him Uh, suggests that he does have a real shot to make the active roster. And, you know, we've seen what little information we get from training camp. Fortson's name has been coming up pretty regularly uh, among the reporters who've been allowed to watch the practices. And it's it's certainly a good point by you. And I'll give you an example of this from when things were normal and I could travel to the facility every day. When Alex Smith was the starter and we wanted to talk to Mahomes every once in a while because he was the backup, but this is someone they drafted in the first round with the 10th overall pick. They didn't want to put Mahomes in front of the media because he wasn't the starter at the time. I believe this was Mm -hmm. year 2017. Sure. So you're right about that. Now that is on a grander scale for sure, but there is something to be noted when one of the players is made available in a press conference setting. Right now, that would be a Zoom setting, and Fortson was made available just the other day. Yeah, and I also think that um, you're right, that we're basically talking about Marcus Kemp versus Jody Fortson, and they both have an argument to make. Marcus Kemp, of course, was a special teams ace for Dave Tobe. We've talked about that on arrowheadbride.com and 
on this podcast before that uh, that special teams ability counts for a lot with the Chiefs. You've got a special right. teams coordinator who's the assistant head coach, carries a lot of influence with uh, how roster decisions are made. And he's going to push for those guys who can really help him on special teams. That's one of the reasons the Chiefs special teams are always so good yeah. is that Dave Tobe has that influence. I, I, I think the gunner position is so important, but the Chiefs have some options there right they now, do. which hurts right. in Antonio Hamilton, D-Rob is back, and you could also use one of these running backs who I'd imagine would be a good fit there, especially an RB3, whether that be Darwin or DeAndre even or someone like that. And that, I think that hurts Kemp's special teams prowess a little bit because maybe in the past you'd say we need him as a gunner mm-hmm. and you have other options right now. Right, that's true. And I'm just making the point here that that would be uh, Kemp's argument is like, right. I can be a contributor on special teams, but they had to do without him last year, so they found ways to move on. Maybe they can continue to do that. Fortson's argument, on the other hand, is that he is a big-bodied guy who could be a reserve tight end. Um, he could be somebody he, they spent right. a year trying to convert him to tight end, and in an emergency situation, he could play that position. And I and think then, versatility will count for something. Yeah, and then you could end up keeping two tight ends, and you save a roster right. spot in that exactly. way. Exactly. can almost serve yeah. as a, a TE3. And, and the Chiefs learned all those positions. One thing I asked Fortson was about Randy Moss, and I know that he looks up to him, and, and he just says, I just love the fact that he was a freak. So, I mean, Fortson has, has some really high aspirations. It's not like wide receiver six is his goal by any stretch, right. and I, I really right. like that about him too. So right. from wide receiver six, we go to tight end two. We just were talking about tight ends. And Nick Kaiser, who ended up having the quote of the week, talking about Patrick Mahomes' throws. Yeah, well, when the ball leaves his hand, there's little those little sparks and little rainbows around it every time. And it's pretty great. I'm kidding. But, uh, no, he, he, has an amazing, he does an amazing job of uh, putting it in a good spot. And, um, obviously, he makes throws that, you know, you wouldn't think is po- are possible. So uh, it's pretty cool to be on the receiving end of that. Good on Kaiser. His first crack with the media makes a joke about Mahomes and all the mystique that goes behind his throws and things like that, (laughs) saying little sparks and rainbows. I like Kaiser. I think think he is the guy simply because of the availability and the fact that he's been here now for two years, similar in a sense to Fortson. I think there's a chance the Chiefs keep three tight ends. They do have that option with Fortson if they do keep him. But if they're simply keeping tight ends, I think that Ricky Seals-Jones gets the edge over Yelder. Yelder just simply hasn't been available. Yeah. And the Chiefs had to really like RSJ, Ricky Seals-Jones, like Brett Veach, to bring him in. We know how much Brett Veach likes his free agents. I just don't think they're bringing him in to cut him. I mean, I understand there's the Carlos Hyde thing. So for all you devil's advocates out there, I get that. I just simply don't think it's the case with Ricky Seals-Jones. So I think you might be looking at Kelsey, Kaiser, and Seals-Jones. Eric Bieniemy was also really eager to get Seals-Jones back in the mix. He, he had mentioned that during his last media availability. Right, and I agree with you. I think that they're going to look at three tight ends as they have done in the past because they like to have that ability to put three tight ends out there. My point about, uh, about Jody Fortson was simply that even if you got three yeah. tight ends in this season, one of those guys could go down for a couple of weeks because he suddenly becomes infected. So you've got to have a backup plan uh, in that circumstance. And I think that Fortson could be that guy, could serve as an emergency tight end. And you think about Blake Bell's role last year 
as a blocker, it's not a significant role on the Chiefs. Now, it comes into play, certainly. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Kaiser will be good enough to handle that type of role. Thing number four, running back time. All right, here we go. I'm ready to say it. Maybe the battle is not at running back two. Maybe it is at running back three. And here's Reed, Andy Reed. This was my question on both Clyde Edwards-Alaire and his LSU brethren, Daryl Williams. Yeah, well, I joke the Michigan guys and the LSU guys. I mean, we've got a whole lot of both. And uh, LSU, um, you know, from the Badger uh, to the two running backs, I mean, it's a – uh, we've got a good amount of players from there, but it's great football tradition that they're bringing in and they're like family. So um, if you play at LSU, there's a certain fraternity that, that uh, and pride that goes with that, uh, that you become part of. So um, yes, Daryl helps them out. Um, they've got a great relationship and they push each other at the same time, which uh, might be the most important thing. There's been a lot of positivity about Daryl Williams coming out of camp. I'm getting the impression that he's getting the opportunities after Clyde. And so I think about their relationship dating back to college. Clyde, one of the first things he said was, Daryl was my mentor, my go-to guy. If he's showing the ability, and let's just say it's on par with what Darwin Thompson and DeAndre Washington have to offer, I think maybe Daryl is your guy. And so I'm going to downgrade the battle here from RB2, I think, to RB3 and say, I think you're looking at a Clyde Daryl situation. Well, that depends on whether or not you've just talked to Darwin Thompson. Like I said last week. <laughs> your, your boy. Yeah, you like you are. You're Mr. You're Mr. Darwin Thompson supporter now, John. Well, I am. But I recognize that it all comes down to what you can do on the field. I just like the guy. I just like his attitude. I like everything about him. Uh, whether or not he can contribute to the Chiefs is another question. But, you know, it oftentimes comes down to um, the last thing that you heard. And right now, the last thing that we've heard is that Daryl Williams is in there talking to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and those things are going to count for something as they get down to the final stretch before uh, the final cut down on September 5th. And early on in the season last year, the Chiefs had to use Daryl as their primary back. And so they've been here before. They never trusted Darwin Thompson with that position. DeAndre Washington is still learning the offense, whereas you would think, okay, Daryl knows it. Mm-hmm, now, sure I don't think it's a situation where you could have so many running backs, especially in this COVID season where you certainly trade one of these guys. I understand that that's a possibility. I think it'd be a better possibility if there was preseason tape. Like, I don't see the Carlos Hyde thing happening where, okay, maybe you don't need DeAndre Washington after signing him and you move him. I just don't think that that's a possibility. I think they end up keeping all four of these guys. I just wonder who is the first one after Daryl at this point. Darwin Thompson certainly thinks it's him. We know, yeah. <laughs> we know that. We know that. For point number five, I want to keep it with running backs. And Peter King had an opportunity to visit Chiefs camp this week. Uh, Peter King doesn't play by the local reporter's rules. He can kind of do whatever he wants, which is must be a nice thing. But, you know, you earn that after, what, 50 years covering the NFL? Yeah. Wow. So I can understand that. I, I really thought that his excerpt on Edwards Hilaire was interesting basically was saying Edwards Alaire was back in the same spotlight on Thursday, uh, three snaps of an 11-11 period, all handoffs to him. He ran a wheel route that he caught in stride. He said he saw the comparison to Kareem Hunt, and I'm going to read this for you. 
It's easy to come to the conclusion that Reed's going to use Edwards Alaire as a rookie the same way Reed used Hunt in 2017. Hunt touched the 325 times in that rookie season, winning the rushing title and becoming an instant threat in the passing game too. But this practice, scripted from start to finish, maybe this is two days of getting timing down with Edwards Alaire, but I doubt it's just that. This is Peter King talking. I say he'll be a stud, a prime candidate for offensive rookie of the year. He appears a confident and sure runner who can make people miss, a better runner between the tackles than a five foot eight, two hundred and nine pound guy should be, and a smooth and assured receiver. Brett Veach told me he's on pace to have a big year to be our primary ball carrier. What that tells me is the Chiefs feel, I think, even a little more confident in Edwards Alaire between the tackles on the ground than they did Kareem. I, I really think that that they're looking at Edwards Alaire as not only a ground and pound guy, but a guy they could leave on the field in passing downs as well because he's catching the ball in stride and such. The ultimate weapon, I've been saying it, I think it's like a Christian McCaffrey type of deal. Well, there's certainly no shortage of national media personalities who are getting on the <laughs> Edward Zolaire hype train. Brett Veach is just pumping it. You can, you can, yeah. hear, you can hear him yeah. saying, this is and, the guy. This uh, is and the Peter, guy. This Peter is the King guy. is now the conductor, it would appear, although maybe he isn't the engineer, but he's certainly the conductor at this point after that piece on Monday. And, I, I, you know, we're in no position to say that he's wrong. Peter King gets access that none of us have. Right. That same article talked about. Uh, and he was on the ground. Those yeah. other guys, like Peter Schrager and Lewis Riddick, they're yeah. just hearing things from the front office. Mm-hmm. Peter right. King was at practice. So this is the first time you're seeing an outside person see Edwards Allaire in the Chiefs offense. That's why, to me, it's an interesting point. And also a guy who's been looking at NFL running backs, as you say, for 50 years. You know, I grew up reading Peter King in Sports Illustrated. If he says something, I'm going to tend to believe it. Because this guy's been around for a long time. He's seen him come and go. He's not going to give you some kind of hype about somebody that isn't justified, at least on some levels. Now, all of that being said, we have to remember, Edward Zolaire is still a rookie. Um, and even Peter King would acknowledge that if you, you know, cornered him at the corner in the party um, with a drink in his hand, he would acknowledge that. But at the same time, he's seeing something there that uh, says to him that this guy can be a real contributor to the Chiefs offense this year. We should credit it, not that we need to, and he doesn't necessarily need the traffic, but Peter King's Football Morning in America, that's of course with NBCSports.com. An interesting underlying story, as he mentions Edwards Alaris potential offensive rookie of the year, you know who's his stiffest competition is going to be? Former teammate Joe Burrow in mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Like That is going to be the race, you would think. If you're kind of looking at it here, if Edwards Alaire is that good, a lot of people are going to want to give it to quarterback. It could be something that goes to a quarterback, especially those who are starting early. Everybody is loving Joe Burrow. No shortage of compliments going his way. Right. So LSU right. versus LSU could be your offensive rookie of the year race. All right, so we got through the first five points. We're going to take a quick break. I got some defense things for you. And then, of course, the bonus. I know you've been waiting all morning for that. I have. All afternoon, if, if this is something you're listening to in the afternoon. Keep it locked in. It's the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we're going with 10 updated things, I think, about Chiefs training camp. Now, the defensive side of the football and some bad news. It sounds like there's no definitive answer right now on who is going to replace Bashad Breland. Well, I think we got to just, uh, we got to attack it for the first game and take one at a time, like we always talk about. And so it's all eventually, it's pretty quickly here, it's going to be all Houston Texans. And we'll have to find the person that's going to get in there and replace Breezy. Uh, we've had in our back of our minds just in case. So there'll be some guys that hopefully will step up and we're going to try some combinations of guys too. And I wouldn't be surprised if when it's all said and done, there's more than one person that will fill that role. So here we are, August 25th or 16 days away. I understand that's still two weeks, but you would, you would hope that someone would have separated themselves by now, be it Rashad Fenton or Antonio Hamilton or some of these rookies. And I'm going to get into my second point before I throw it to you, John. Uh, and this is that we're not getting good news on what would be LeJerry Sneed or Bo Pete Keys. Yeah, I mean, Bo, I, I don't really have much on him because he hasn't worked, and it's just been conditioning more than anything else. Uh, Legereus, uh listen, he's made some plays for us. Uh, I think he's got a long way to go. Uh, I really do. Uh, most corners in this league, that's a tough position to step in and play on. But, you know, I just, as a matter of fact, it's funny, Nate, you brought it up. I just leaned over to him in the um, stretch line at the end of practice here. And I just told him that he needs to do everything faster. And I'm talking about from when the play ends to getting back to the huddle. I mean, these guys know who I am. And part of this whole practice and Coach Reed wants it the same way. Part of it is conditioning and not having the off season and all that. So I'm trying to, uh, you know, force that into him and then kind of let him play. Sam Madison, Dave Merritt doing a great job with him. But, you know, it's a big learning curve there and we got a long way to go. Back like it never left. It's Pete's panic meter. And I am upgrading the cornerback <laughs> panic meter from what was probably a four. I'm going to put it at a six after this last exchange with Steve Spagnuolo. John, how are you feeling? I'd put it down to a three. If it wow, was look at this guy. Yeah. Mr. I, Confidence and, over here. And I'll tell you put why. Put Darwin Thompson at cornerback. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you why, though. This is, from what we have seen of Sp Steve Spagnolo so far, this is just the way he is. We've often talked on this show about how he gives you the real skinny, that he's he's got his heart on his sleeve. He's telling you what he really thinks. He's not going to go out there and blow sunshine where you don't want it to be. He's going to tell you what he thinks, and that also means that he's, if he's not prepared to commit to one thing or another, then he is going to say so, and right now he's not prepared to do that. I remind you, early last August, that he was not willing to give Juan Thornhill a starting job, and at this point last year, he was saying things like, well, I don't really know how we're going to, you know, I don't really know what everybody's capabilities are, and that was after he'd looked at all these players for a full offseason. Well, he hasn't had that opportunity this year. We know he's not interested in putting rookies on the field under uh, as a matter of principle. And he will, of course, if he has to, if he's forced by injury to do so. We saw that last year with Rashad Fenton, and the results were good. I just think he's not prepared to say, this is what I'm going to do to replace Rashad Breland. 
And so I'm not really that worried about it at this point. This is all, to me, par for the course for Spagnolo. Well, you feel better than I do, obviously. You have Traverius Ward setting the scene. You have Traverius Ward on the outside. You would like Rashad Fenton to be your slot guy. I know that that had been a point of Spagnuolo last year where they Mm -hmm. wanted one player to just focus on the slot. So I think that leaves Hamilton for the outside. I just don't get a ton of confidence right now. I feel like Sneed, you take him in the fourth round. Sometimes circumstances happen where you have to start earlier. I, I almost feel like they have to try it. I think you make a great point about no preseason games. Thornhill was able to earn his spot through the preseason, and you're not seeing a preseason this year. So it's impossible for the Chiefs to see, okay, is Snead going to be ready in a game? Where it's unfortunate is that you may have to just throw him into the fire, right? Mm -hmm. You are lucky in the sense that you play with the quarterback in an offense where the defense just needs to pass by, and maybe you can get away with that. The Houston Texans are interesting, right? I know everyone's going to look back toward last year and say they were up 24 nothing and they blew it, but they can put some points on the board. I, I just, you don't want to be in one of these shootouts and not have an, a cornerback. And so I hope the Chiefs use the next 16 days to really lock somebody down who gives you the best possible chance to win. I, I have the utmost confidence in, in Steve Spagnolo, but man, his words were a little too honest. It was almost too honest for me. Right. Well, and that's the downside to it is that he doesn't right. give you a lot of confidence at a moment like this because he's, He's not trying to project confidence. He's just telling you what he thinks. And at this point, I don't find it surprising that he's not sure exactly what he's going to do. We've got these two new safeties uh, in town now here in the last couple of weeks, and he may not know enough about those guys yet. Uh, Could be one of those guys. Uh, Could be Tedrick Thompson. Could be Adrian Colbert who come in. And is it Colbert or Colbert? I haven't checked that. Um, but we've got these two new guys who are on the roster now, and those, those guys could be in the running in some form of a secondary alignment uh, that will help to uh, manage the absence of Bashad Breeland. With Spagnolo, you just never know how he's going to handle this kind of thing. Got to butt in because it's too easy. You got to do some research and hit us with the Colbert Report uh, next, <laughs> next show. Whereas... Legarius Steen and Bo Pete Keys may not be ready. I do get the sense from Spagnuolo's words that Willie Gay will be ready, maybe not to start, but in some sort of role. The hope is to really initially keep them in one spot. I think that's important when you're that young and learning. And all of them will tell you they can play multiple spots and learn it all. But it, it takes a lot. Uh, you know, because we, listen, we haven't had a preseason game. Uh, I mean, our offense plays fast and functions fast, but the speed of the game is going to be completely different when we get to the regular season. So we're trying to hone in on one. And yet, when we've had a couple of linebackers dinged up, you know, he has stepped up and played another spot. So he's getting in bits and pieces. But I think initially here, we just like to hone in on one. That would be our... That would be the way our game plan going in initially. Sounds like rotational Sam, strong side in the base, and then the buck, more of a will roll in the nickel, much to the delight of our guy, Craig Stout. So that probably is a, a good starting point for Will Gay. And, and we just went through the fact that there's no preseason. I think that comes into play here 
where mm-hmm. Spagnola was not going to throw somebody into the fire without seeing that they can do it in what would be a rotational role or in the preseason where the games don't matter, which is why I think you're seeing Ben Neiman get a lot of the reps here. The Chiefs really hide, seems like, on Ben Neiman, what he has to do. I think it's Hitch, it's Wilson, and it's Neiman, at least to start the year. And then Willie Gay, you'll see as this thing goes along. And Dave Tobe has said that uh, he expects – Willie Gay to be a four-phase special teams player, at least to begin the season. Mm-hmm, if he earns mm-hmm. a starting role on defense, then they'll find some way to replace him. But to begin with, uh, Dave Tobe really likes what he's seen from Willie Gay, and he's going to be on the field for those plays as well. You need special teamers. And yeah, Tobe has said four-phase special teamer. A guy is not going to be a four-phase special teamer if they're a starter on the defense. So Absolutely. I just want to curb fans' expectations. Right. Now, I think by week five or week six, and I think Craig would agree with me, who's our defensive guy here, I think you might be seeing him, just certainly not mm-hmm. to, to begin the year. And right. so right. that's okay, though. That's all right. It's not like everyone's going to be Juan Thornhill where they're this wonder kind and they can just step in and be that guy immediately off uh, the break. And so I, I think I'm okay with this that. year. Especially in this year, and where you there's have, no preseason. Yeah, and and don't forget, you you know, and when you look at this whole defense, Tyron Matthew does a lot of different things when it comes to safety role. I mean, he can almost look like a hybrid linebacker out there. He plays mm-hmm. slot cornerback, and so Tyron Matthew is the ultimate fixer. So you have that on your side as well when it comes to the defense. I want my final point here on the defense before we get to the bonus point, which I, I know is a, it's, 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 you can feel the anticipation building here. <laughs> I can feel something. I don't know what it is. With the way this is trending for Juan Thornhill, I, I've, I've, thrown, I've shut off the panic meter when it comes to, to Thornhill. I've now gone from really a little bit worried to thinking he'll be ready for the start of the season because every time we get a Juan Thornhill update, it's more reps, it seems like. And mm-hmm. so I think yeah. by the time the Texans roll around, he's got to be good to go. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think we're going to see him to start the season. And it's an astonishingly fast comeback. Uh, You know, he was injured in week 17. We haven't been a full year since week 17, and that's usually what you're looking at. So that's really good news. Uh, And probably the Chiefs were wise to put him on that uh, PUP list to start the training camp, just give him a little more time to get it together, do some more conditioning, some more drills, so that he'd be ready to play when the season began. Eager to see who is a, across from Frank Clark when the year begins. I feel like that position is, is a, a key position at left defensive end that we don't really have a ton of clarity about because of injuries and whatnot mm-hmm. and what guys are doing, yeah. whether it be Mike Dan or Tano Passanio, who knows how Taco Charlton fix in the mix, Breland Speaks. Really, really gray area there. So I have no point there, but I just wanted to note it that I don't know what's going on. I mean, that's just a product of COVID. And so... A lot of these questions will be answered when we see them on the field with the fans, which is odd for me, but product of the time for rolling with the punches here. We're trying to do the best job we possibly can. Okay, and now here we go. We did the offensive points. We did the defensive points. Now it's time for the punter point. And I got to bring this up for me and Rappaport. So we love the fact, right, that Dustin Colquitt was so good for so long. But I thought... a. A minor part of it, and and it was a really cool fact, was that his brother was always in the league, right? He was always Mm -hmm. with another team. You had that fun punter, Colquitt thing where occasionally the Broncos would come in, the Browns, I think the Vikings even at at one Mm -hmm. point for Britain. He's been all over the place. You'd have this punter rivalry. Well, guess what? In punter news from Rappaport today, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, there's another set of punting brothers in the NFL, Johnny Townsend. 
is signing with the Baltimore Ravens. He joins his brother Tommy, who's punting for the Chiefs. Another two decades of brother punters. How about that? I had I hadn't seen that this morning. You really you ambushed me with that one, Johnny Townsend. Huh? Wow. Okay. Yep. Why not? It's a specialist position. It's not surprising that they 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 now seem to come in families. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I guess it isn't really that surprising. It's it's not the kind of thing that you tend to learn. You know, when you're playing for your high school team, it's just a guy that can kick the ball a long way. And so these guys who are really good at it, it's it's because it's a it's a family thing, and they the brothers spend their time working on it together, and uh, they both get good. That that that's really not that surprising. You know what? Everybody week three is going to come along, and they're going to be like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. No, no, the battle you got to be watching is Tommy <laughs> versus Johnny Townsend. That's the key right there. <laughs> Those are 10 updated things, I think, about Chiefs training camp. A little bit of a shorter editor's show today as we take in the day off. But we will be back with you on Thursday. The Arrowhead Lab will be back with you on Wednesday. So plenty of content coming at you on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We also have From the Podiums, which have been up and are updating you on what the Chiefs are saying. So we hope you guys are enjoying the training camp coverage we do have. We will be back again with you on Thursday for John Dixon. I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. 